0: You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Today, what I want to do is I want to talk briefly about what does it mean to be a child of God? How many times we can quote this, we say, well, I'm, you know, yeah, I'm I'm part of God's family. I'm a child of God, you know, and we can, we can quote these things, but I think many times we lack believing it. We, we, sometimes we even lack the depth of the knowledge of what does it mean to be a child of God spiritually. And so I want to talk about that briefly because how many of you know when you find confidence in who you are, maybe if you've worked in a job, let me put it this way, maybe if you've worked in a job and you've, you've been doing it for a while and you have a lot of confidence in your abilities, doesn't it make it a little bit easier to go to work on Monday, right? Like I know I can handle situations that come up. I know that I can handle uh, anything that comes my way because I, I may not have the perfect response to it, but... I have confidence in who I am in this position to handle anything that might show up. Uh, And so I think many times that little bit of a a swagger, if you want to call it that, we have that at work, but many times we miss that in the spiritual. And if we could really understand who we are, I say understand even better, believe who we are in Christ, that we would have a little bit of that swagger and confidence in our daily walk with God. In fact, a loss of identity is an epidemic in the church today. We don't know who we are in Christ, and so today I want to shine a little bit of a light in what God wants to do in our lives. Um, when we don't know who we are in Christ, we begin to live natural, ordinary lives, But let me remind us all, God never called us to live naturally. He's called us to live supernaturally as carriers of his kingdom and to see his will done on earth as it is in heaven. That's on us. It's our job to do that. But many times when we don't know who we are, we lose our identity in Christ and we begin to just drift into natural, ordinary comforts and just being such a natural life that God says, man, I have so much more for you if... You would look to my word and see what I've called you to. And so today, here's what I want to do. I want to look at what does it mean to be a child of God? I'm going to give you three things. There's a million things that we could look at. But I'm going to give you three things based off of these scriptures from Galatians 3. It's 26 through 29. Now, on your notes and up here on the screen, it says 36 through 29. 29. I'm going to own that. That's on me, okay? My finger hit the three instead of the two. So don't come up to me afterwards and say, hey, you had to misprint in the thing. I know it's there, okay? Uh, so anyway, let's read, let's read it together and then we'll see how it applies to us. Galatians three twenty six. it says this, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus and all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Okay, this is four verses, but there's a lot in here that we can talk about. The first thing that we see here is this, is we have to remind ourselves that I am, as a child of God, I am baptized into Christ. I am baptized into Christ. Baptized into Christ. This is what we see in, uh, we'll go back to verse 37. Verse 37 or sorry, 37, 27, I'm already getting off of my numbers. Galatians 3, 27, and all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. Here's where we get confused. Baptize doesn't just mean water baptism. Doesn't just mean going under the water and coming back up, though that is a crucial part of our walk with God. That's not exactly what we're talking about here. We're talking about uh, the baptism of salvation. And so to baptize or baptize simply means an immersion into It's literally, if you would take an item, think about, we use water as an example, think about if you had a tank of water and you were to submerge something in the water and leave it there, and it's completely surrounded on all sides, an immersion into something. That is what we're talking about here as being baptized into Christ. This is the baptism of salvation, so let me clarify that by saying this. There are actually three baptisms available to every believer. The first one is the baptism of salvation. This is a baptism into the body or into God's family. The second one is a natural baptism, which is water baptism, where we go underwater, we come back up. And in doing so, we say, hey, I'm dead to my old life. I'm coming up a new creation. I'm showing everyone that I'm serious about walking with God. And then the third one is a baptism in the Holy Spirit. There's three that are available. You receive the Holy Spirit at salvation, but you don't receive the immersion into the Holy Spirit until you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I've taught on that in the past. I can't get into all three of those today, but I want to make it clear. We're talking about the very first one, salvation, the most important one. And so um, this is not, this is um, the first one, what we're talking about here, baptized into Christ is necessary, important for us to get to heaven, for us to be a part of God's family. Water baptism and baptism in the Holy Spirit, they are essential not to get us to heaven. It's not our passport to heaven. They're essential for our spiritual success here on earth. If we want to, you know, survive abundantly and live overcoming lives, we've got to make a public declaration for Christ through water baptism and receive his power through the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Again, I'm not going to get into all of that, even though I feel like I'm already getting into it, but we're focusing on this first one. This is the most important one. I'm baptized into Christ. This is not when I convert to a religion. This is not when I choose a denomination that I want to be a part of. This is not even when I choose a church to join. Salvation is an immersion into a relationship with Christ and his church. It's an immersion into a submersion into a relationship with Christ and his church. This is why true salvation is not a part time thing. It's not a convenient thing. It's not just like when I feel like it, when I felt it today, but I didn't feel it tomorrow. No, it's an all in experience. And this is why Jesus says, and we've talked about this the past several weeks, anyone that puts their hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom. Why? He's looking for. Completely devoted disciples, people that will go all in like being immersed into water, completely surrounded in this relationship with him. This is not Jesus incorporated, meaning this, well, I'm going to live my life and I'm just going to incorporate Jesus into my life where it's convenient, right? When I, it's convenient to, to, to pray, when, when it's convenient to worship, when it's convenient to go to church, when it's convenient to do whatever, I'm just going to add him in. No, this is a fully submitted relationship to him let me show you from first Corinthians twelve, thirteen. 13 it says this some of us are Jews some are Gentiles some are slaves and some are free but we have all been baptized into one body That's the body of Christ by one spirit and we all share the same spirit so the first step in our Christian journey <clears throat> is to have an immersion into the family of God and immersion into the family of God. It's that all inexperience. It's not just a belief system. If we don't understand this, then we think that salvation is just some easy, lightweight decision. I raised my hand and I said a prayer, but I never did anything after that. Right? I, I raised my hand, and I said a prayer at a church, and I just kind of left, and I never, I never followed up. I never devoted myself to becoming a disciple of Jesus. And when we make salvation so, so simple and not weighty in that sense, it's easy for people to say, well, yeah, I, I raised my hand and recommitted my life to Christ, but then they go back out, and they wonder why am I still getting my butt kicked the next day and the next day and the next day by the devil? It's because I think many times we haven't said, you know what? I'm gonna go all in, and even better, the next step is I'm going to repent of my ways. That's not just ask for forgiveness, repent is to change my ways. So I have to make some effort, some conscious decisions, not to earn my salvation, but in response to my salvation. I've got to make some efforts to say I am going all in. Does it mean I'll never struggle again? No, it doesn't mean that. Does it mean I might not follow? No, it doesn't mean that. It just means that when I do, I get back up and I dust myself off and I get back on track, focused on Jesus, following him. I won't let something pull me away from who I am devoted to. I'm immersed into Christ. I'm baptized into Christ. The second thing that we see in in Galatians 3 is this. I am made one with Christ. As a child of God, this is huge, I'm made one with Christ. Christ. Spiritually, so much takes place whenever we choose to put our faith in Jesus. Let's go back to to verse 28 here. It says, There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ. One in Christ. You're gonna see that time and time again as you read God's word in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. Now let me give a disclaimer here. This is not implying that you no longer have a gender when you are saved. Okay, hear me in this. doesn't mean that your gender is fluid. You can be whatever you want to be when you, whenever you become saved. That is not it. God is very clear that he made male and female, and God doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't make mistakes. And so uh, let me encourage you. If you were born a man, God called you to be a spiritual son. If you were born a woman, God called you to be a spiritual daughter. That's who he called you to be. This is important for all of us to know because any confusion on this is simply an attack on the image of God. Any confusion on that, thinking I'm a mistake, is an attack on the image of God. In fact, let me make sure I say this right, how I have it written down. If the devil can get you to hate yourself, he can successfully get you to hate the image of God. We like to think it's about me. Well, I just hate this part about me. I just hate that I was created this way. I just hate that I have this gifting or this thing. If the enemy can get you to hate yourself, he can successfully get you to hate the image of God. You were created in the image of God. Beautiful, perfect, how he designed you to be. And I'm not just talking physically. We can all probably be a little more healthy physically, sure. But I'm talking mentally, your personality, your giftings, your talents. Too many times we tear ourselves down when God is saying, no, but I put that in you for a reason. I made you that way for a reason. Why are you neglecting that part of me that I put in you? So we've got to watch how we look at ourselves, how we talk about ourselves. Because if I'm just constantly tearing myself down, what I'm really doing is I'm letting the enemy convince me to tear down the image of God. Amen. Let's not go there. We are called to be so much more than that. So here's what's encouraging. Our race, our rank in society, our sex, they do not hinder our relationship with Christ, nor do they grant us special privileges. Well, because I make this much money, I'm that much closer to God. No, That's not how this works. It doesn't, that's not, because I'm a man, I'm this much closer to God. That's not how this works. In Christ, we are what? One body and we are called to unity. One body called to unity. So look at Galatians 2.20, it says this. He writes, I have been crucified with Christ, and this should be our prayer as well. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. It's no longer I that live, it's, it's him in me, through me, working through me. And so what happens is, yeah, he says there's no longer male, female, Jew, Jew or, or, or Greek, or Gentile. And so what he's saying is, look, It's less about you, and it's more about him. It's me learning to lose myself and saying, Lord, use me the way that you want me. Mold me the way that you want me. Cut those things out that don't need to be in here so that you can use me more effectively, so that you can work through my life. It's us truly submitting to what God wants to do in our lives. And we're saying, Lord, I am one with Christ. And so spiritually, here's what happens. When I choose to put my faith in Jesus, I spiritually look drastically different in the spiritual realm. In the spiritual realm, when I put my faith in Jesus, I look drastically different. And this is why we see symbolism from time to time. In this passage, he says that it's like you're putting on new clothes. It's like you're putting on a brand new clothes. We might hear it called the robe of righteousness. Another passage talks about us putting on the armor of God. And so spiritually, here's what's encouraging, is that when we put on the armor of God in the spiritual realm, our enemy can't tell the difference between us and Jesus because we have his armor on. So it changes perspective. And this is why God says, and this is a lot of covenant talk, which we'll get to in just a second, but this is why God says, put on my armor. It's not just, hey, I have some spiritual armor that you can assemble yourself. God says, no, you need to put on the armor of God. Give my armor and put it on you. And in doing so, you can have spiritual success. So here's what, let me, I'm saying this. When I become a child of God, spiritually, I look different to God and to the devil. To God, number one, let me show you. God, number one, God doesn't see you in your sin anymore. He sees you in the righteousness of Christ. And this is the robe of righteousness that you put on. It means basically in my sin, I was covered in filthy rags, disgusting, gross, but it is the prodigal son story where they come, he comes home and he says, get the finest robe and put on him. This is what God does spiritually for you. The finest robe in all of heaven is the robe of Jesus' righteousness. And spiritually, when you come home to him, God says, get the finest robe, get the robe of Jesus and put it on him. And you get to spiritually put that on. And so when God sees you, he no longer sees your sin. Because you are, like new clothes, like that new robe, you are covered in the righteousness of Christ. And this is what we see in Ephesians 2.13. It says this, but now in Christ Jesus, there it is again, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Meaning this, if you were left in your sin, you would always be at a distance from God. You couldn't be in his presence. You couldn't know his closeness. You couldn't experience his love at a deeper level. But because of Jesus' blood, you can put on spiritually a robe of righteousness in the spiritual realm. And you can step into the presence of God and you can know him intimately every day of your life. You see how good our God is? This seems a little bit deep and hopefully you're you're getting what I'm saying here. I'm saying simply put, because of what Jesus did, when you become a child of God, you now have access to incredible intimacy with the heavenly father, the creator of all the universe. But I have good news for you. (laughs) It's not on how well you perform here. It's just on how well Will you humble yourself and submit and receive what he has for you? It's not how good of a job am I doing. That's how close I can be to God. It's no, God says, when you submit and you humble and you ask for forgiveness, I have the finest robe to put on you, which allows you to come closest to me. But here's the encouraging thing. For here on earth, you also look drastically different to the devil. You look drastically different to the devil. The devil doesn't see the weak, vulnerable you anymore anymore. He sees a co-heir with Christ. I don't know if you know this or not, but the devil knows scripture. He knows what you're called to. He doesn't necessarily understand it all. Even the the demons don't understand every every part about it. They struggle with the blood covenant and it infuriates them. But you are a co-heir with Christ. He knows your potential and that's the thing to remember. He knows that you have the potential to walk in power in authority and in boldness. And Here's what you need to understand. As many times we think the enemy, the, the devil is always the one that's pursuing me. And he's, he's the big bad guy that's out there that's going to get me someday. But God has called you to put some fear in your enemy. You have, you have a way to live your life. So as you walk, one pastor said it this way. I want to make sure I read it, read it right. He said it this way. Every time the devil messes with me, he runs the risk of making me. Every time he messes with me, he runs the risk of making me. Because every time he messes with me, I get to choose how I respond. Either I can lay down to his attack and I can lay down to whatever comes my way and I can just submit to him. Or I can respond in how God's asked me and told me and commanded me to respond with promises and I can say, no, this is how I'm going to respond. And what happens is in trial, though the enemy comes my way, and though it may feel difficult, and though it may stretch me, and though it may hurt a little bit, but in the trial, I can come out stronger, which is what scripturally we're supposed to do. Look at the book of James. And in doing so, I can come out stronger. And so what happened? The devil messed with me, but if I respond correctly, he actually made me more confident as a child of God. That's how we're called to respond. But many times when we don't know we're a child of God and what we have access to and the promises and the weapons, the spiritual warfare weapons that we have access to, many times we just lay down and we just say, Lord, I guess it's God's will. Maybe you're getting attacked by the enemy and God's saying, why don't you stand up today and and do something about it? Why don't you stand up today and do something about it? Colossians 3 says this, for you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. It's hidden with Christ in God. When the enemy sees you, he can see the potential that's inside of you. And he knows, and he'll learn his lesson pretty quick. When I mess with them, either I know that if I mess with them, they're going to collapse every time, or as Jesus said, build your house on the rock. And he knows that when I mess with them, it actually strengthens them, strengthens their foundation. We've got to choose as children of the almighty God to remind ourselves I'm one with Christ. I have his robe of righteousness. I have access to his armor for spiritual warfare. I don't have to lay down to anything the enemy throws my way. I can stand up and I can do something about it. Should give us a little bit of hope. The third thing we see is this. I am in covenant with God. I am in covenant with God. And this is huge. This is huge. Because covenant... I did, I'm not going to get into everything with covenant today, but I did an entire series on covenant. I think it was last year. Covenant is incredibly necessary for us to understand because when I understand covenant, I understand and I have faith in how God is going to respond when things happen in my life because God is bound. A covenant for God is this legal contract which he will not break. It's a legal binding saying, I am in covenant with you. And because of that, i he makes these promises i will do this and he can't go back on his word otherwise he's not he's not truly god he's not a perfect god and he is so galatians 3 21 let's go back to our key verses here it says this and now that you belong to christ you're true children of abraham you are his heirs and god's promise to abraham belongs to you that statement at the end there god's promise to abraham belongs to you that's huge that means we better understand what it is <laughs> so we can receive it. So we know if my life's not lining up with God, what's been promised, then I need to do something, then I need to pray, then I need to seek God, I need to seek some counsel, I need to find out what's going on here. Because God says, his word says, you have rights in the kingdom of God. You have rights to certain things. And when God cuts the covenant with Abraham, that's what covenant means to cut. When he cuts this covenant, makes this promise with Abraham, what happens is there's, there's a lot that God says. I'll give you a glimpse of what he says. In, in Genesis 12, it says this. God says, I will make you a great nation. Now, he's talking to Abraham here, but there's some stuff we can pull from this. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed shall be blessed this is just a glimpse of part of the covenant here the other part of the covenant is in this in this part as well he's talking about lord i'm going to give you abraham i'm going to give you a new name i'm going to give you a son a miracle son that's impossible and i'm going to fulfill it i'm going to give it to you i'm going to give him to you and in doing so based on that you are now then going to bring salvation or help bring salvation to the world make it possible In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So God makes covenant with Abraham and then he fulfills his promises made in the covenant. God has fulfilled this covenant. He fulfilled the promises. Isaac was born. He didn't have to be sacrificed. He lived. And through him, the genealogy afterwards saves the world. But let me say this today. And hear me in this. God wants to show you his goodness and faithfulness even more than he wanted to show it to Abraham. Let me say that again. I know that sounds, just bear with me here. God wants to show you his goodness and his faithfulness even more than he wanted to show it to Abraham. That seems like a huge statement, right? We better have some scripture to back that up. Good thing I do. Let's look at scripture. Hebrews 6, verse 17 and 18, it says this. In the same way, God, desiring even more to demonstrate to the heirs of the promise. Who's the heirs of the promise? That's us. We just read that. It's multiple verses we can look at. That confirms that's me and you. He desires even more to demonstrate to the heirs of the promise the fact that his purpose is unchangeable confirmed it with an oath in the covenant, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to hold firmly to the hope set before us. This is huge. We need to understand verses like this and see how it applies to us. God came through for Abraham. He fulfilled his side of the covenant He blessed him, and he came through, and he he gave him everything that he promised. And in reading this verse, here's what we can know. We can have confident expectation that our Heavenly Father wants to bless us through the covenant that we have with him. Through the covenant that we have with him. We know that because the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham provides assurance that he can certainly perform what he promises. Meaning this. If God said, "Abraham, I'm going to do this, this and this," and God fulfilled it. And God's true. and His word then says, in the same way God desiring even more wants to what demonstrate, it means He's going to back His word up with action. He wants to demonstrate His faithfulness for His purpose in your life. You see how much God loves you? Sometimes we look at the characters and the heroes of the faith in God's word, and we think, "Well, that was them. But many times the Holy Spirit is saying, look, I breathed this book into existence so that you could see how much God loves you. Yes, that was them. Yes, there's parts of the covenant that's directly for Abraham, but there's a lot of it. And there's a lot of God's character that you can experience today. You can experience today. So today... If you find yourself hopeless, maybe you're just spiritually tired, sick, or maybe you've been believing and praying, but you haven't seen the answer yet. And you've been wondering what's going on. Lord, I've been praying. Lord, I've been believing. Lord, I've been speaking your word. Lord, I've been serving. And you find yourself wondering, God, where are you? Let me encourage you today. God told me to tell you today that he desires to demonstrate his faithfulness to you. God's not in the business of lip service without backing it up. He desires to demonstrate his faithfulness to you. So keep trusting son, keep standing daughter, keep praying child of God. And if your faith is in Jesus, you are a child of God, he loves you dearly. And he loves you enough that he wants to show up in every detail of your life. So what does it mean to be a child of God? We gotta know our identity. We gotta know some of the depth of this. I know today was a little bit teachy, but bear with me here. What does it mean? Number one, it means I'm baptized into Christ. I'm a part of his family, not an extended part, like I just wish I could be a part. I'm just out here in the outskirts. No, he says, you are immersed, submerged into my family. He wants to keep you there. You're in his family, not just a part of his family. I made one with Christ. I'm clothed in the righteousness of him. So I look different, not just to God. He sees not my sin, but he sees now God's, or Jesus' righteousness on me, but also look very different to the enemy. He knows that if he messes with me, if I respond correctly, he runs the risk of making me. And lastly, maybe most importantly, I am in covenant with God. I have confident expectation that he will perform what he promises. So the question is, what promise are you standing on? What have you been praying? What have you been believing for? What did you need to see in your life? Was it breakthrough? Whether it's healing, whatever it might be find the promise in his word speak it believe it continue to pray and fight for it putting your faith where in god's faithfulness if he did it back then guess what here's the good news he's the same yesterday today and forever if he did it then he can do it in your life and his word says he desires to do it in your life isn't that good man our heavenly father is amazing let me pray for you heavenly father we love you We come before you right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I just pray over our church family right now. Lord, I pray that you would help us understand the depth of what it means to be a child of God, to be a child of you, the almighty creator of the universe. Lord, help us understand what we have access to. Lord, as we continue to walk in agreement with your word, I pray that you would just give us a boost of confidence today as we have heard your word. Your word says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by your word. And today, as we have heard your word, I pray that it would put faith in us, Lord, to believe for more, to expect for more, to continue fighting when we have felt like giving up, to continue to to pray and to seek and to ask and to knock until those things come to pass. If they align with your word, Lord, we're going to go after it. We're going to pray for it. We're going to believe you for it. have the faith to ask and see you come through. And Lord, most importantly, at the very end of it all, no matter what, we're going to say, look at how good our God is. Look at how faithful our God is. Look at what our God has done in our lives. We're going to give you all the glory for it. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen.